another episode of the Knollcast, but it'll be show number two. As we make our way through our positional preview series, want to thank uh, good people at Louisiana Hot Sauce been with us uh, since we started doing these preview series and uh, have been a fantastic supporter of the Knollcast and somebody that I, you know, I have to kind of pinch myself and uh, realize that I get to brag on a product that I really, truly, legitimately love, a product that we had kind of joked about the year before getting sponsored by and ultimately you know sometimes jokes slash dreams come true and uh they've been nothing but a great partner for us and certainly appreciate all the support whether it be in a grocery store or social media that our listeners have given them in the six years that we've partnered with them now i mean it's kind of kind of wild that a team specific podcast has a national food sponsor but uh we're very lucky and and uh always want to tip our hat to them i mean not to brag but like most of the most teams podcasts do not do national type podcast numbers like we do. No, no, they which don't. is fair. Um, also, thank you to Tarpon Sellers, tremendous support for the Nolcast as well. If you want to get your lady a nice gift, or you know, if you're a dude and you also enjoy a nice bottle of wine, please hit up Tarpon Sellers. Make sure to visit them as well. Uh, let's get into the the running back position preview here. I I, I put like you know, rushers preview, but there's really no fullbacks officially that they use. They they kind of drag some tight ends down for that. So. Pretty much just running backs and tailbacks, and uh, I say we get into this thing. Uh, as, as always, the format, like we've been doing on these, we try to go 15 to 20 minutes. Uh, for the receivers preview, we went like 45, so again, got to move, I guess. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about what we had last year and uh, where David Hale has them ranked, if we think that's fair, and then we'll discuss how they can possibly exceed his ranking and take a little look also at what our thoughts are for beyond 2021 something that i feel like we can go back and review after the season uh hint hint so might do a little uh recycling of content there ingram um last year fsu basically none of their running backs were any good until jordan travis came in and sprung them and made the defense really respect the most special athlete on FSU's offense last year, which was Jordan Travis. Um, they actually had some pretty decent run totals overall, uh, but out of the 1,796 yards that FSU rushed for against, against FBS opponents, uh, only 546 came before garbage time. So they were doing a whole lot of running when teams didn't care that they were running, basically. They're like, yeah, guess what? Yeah, we're up 30. You want to run the ball? Cool. You're, and they were exciting in doing it, but really – like that's why this offense ranked as poorly as it did in a lot of the advanced metrics that that strip out stuff that you do once the game is already decided. Um, I have some questions here, man, um, and we'll get to them. But I have to say, they really didn't lose anybody all that significant off last year's team, with the exception of Ladamian Webb, who actually had some decent productivity ultimately last year. I mean, 207 rush yards in non-garbage time. He was effective against North Carolina. I know he had a, you know, a 40, what, 46 yarder uh, that, that he ripped off. Um, I get a 54 yarder, a 16 yarder against Notre Dame before that game got out of hand. And, and he was a real workhorse against Georgia tech. But other than that, like, I just feel like this 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 lane is wide open for somebody to come and take the reins. What what does David Hale think? 
Yeah, so David Hale has Florida State at fourth. Now, this is interesting. Also, almost certainly has to include uh, Jordan Travis and, and what he brought to the run game. I'll be honest with you, bud. We've talked about doing these series for about a week or so, and this is the one that I've struggled the most with because I don't know how to project what the run game is going to look like based off what your quarterback is. And and it's going to be such a dynamic shift as to if the defense has to, you know, account for one of the more explosive rushers uh, or in, in some advanced analytics, one of the more explosive rushers in college football or a guy who still looks like he's got a little bit of decent spring in his step, but certainly McKenzie's not going to be the run threat that he was or what Jordan Travis is. So, uh, Webb had some nice moments. Uh, when I go back and watch the games, there are some moments where I look and go, damn, that's going to be a guy that's missed. Uh, but, you know, you've got uh, you've got Jay Sean Corbin coming back, a guy that I've long been slightly more optimistic about what he might be this year. I think he can continue to add a little bit of explosiveness to his game and will be a pretty solid contributor. And he's probably where the, the conversation needs to start as far as what the 2021 pieces look like. Yeah, I, I was similarly surprised uh, as you about Hale ranking them fourth. Um, again, we use David Hale's rankings in, in the league because he's the guy who I honestly feel just covers the league as a whole to try to provide that outside perspective about where you think you know all of these teams rank. We can tell you a lot about FSU's guys. We can tell you some about the rest of the league. I feel like Hale has a pretty good view of the entirety of the league, and that's just kind of how we, we decided to frame things in this year's preview series because he was nice enough to do it. My initial reaction was the same as you. It was like, what? Fourth? But I, I look at it, I mean, of the teams behind FSU in his rankings, Louisville, NC State, Vatech, you know, Wake, Miami, Duke, UVA, BC, Pitt, Cuse. I, I think you can argue that Miami's backs are better if you want to. Um, I think you can argue that that NC State's backs with, with, with you know, Bam Knight and those guys are better. But I don't think he's necessarily way off. This is a league that lost a lot of running back talent. Uh, and other, uh, you know, other than that, they return a whole lot of talent elsewhere. So it is interesting to me. But I think you may have nailed this Deshaun Corbin thing a year in advance. I was more skeptical on FSU taking him as a transfer. I, I was like, I don't know. With that kind of free hamstring in, uh, injury that he had at A&M, would he have the burst that we saw at a high school that made him a very coveted prospect? down the stretch of his senior year. And last year, he didn't show it, man. He just he was not an explosive runner last year at all. I mean, I'm, I'm going to pull up here real briefly. You know, what what were here here are his rush lengths again against FBS teams before garbage time. 12 2 negative 1 4 5 3 2 6 2 4 1. Pretty pedestrian. Yeah. Yeah. However, all reports are that he looks better th this fall. Um, and those are from people who I trust, like guys who actually are paid by FSU to be on this staff. Right. And they're like, no, I, th I think Corbin will take a jump. I think he's in better shape. I think he trusts his legs more. And Ingram, I, I mean, it may be a little early to take a victory lap here, but I think that you may have really nailed this thing. Uh, well, I'll give it give it some time before I do that. But, uh, yeah, Corbin's a, a nice kid, a good program guy by all accounts, and has put in a pretty significant summer. And uh, just as we were talking about with uh, 
with Helton, you know, some, some of those injuries take a little bit more time to recover. And it doesn't mean that you can't play one year after the injury, uh, but two years removed from it, you might see a little bit more explosive, a little bit more pop. And uh, again, I don't think he's going to be a, you know, second day draft pick or something like that based off this year. But I, I do think that Corbin uh, could be a much better player than maybe some expect him to be, if nothing else, based off what they saw last year. So reasonable expectations. Now, you said explosive. One thing we've seen is explosive growth with our partnership with the legendary team. Legendary home loans. Shannon and Chad just do a tremendous job. <laughs> I see you laughing. <laughs> we, for, for those of y'all who might be new to the show, uh, we try to basically one-up each other with with these transitions into the ad reads each week. And uh, sometimes, you know, I was talk, talking to, to Chad, and he was like, I just, you guys be 45 seconds into an ad read. I don't really realize you're reading me an ad. Uh, but 844 FSU loan, we are closing in on 200 Nolcast listeners, or I guess viewers now too, since we're on YouTube, uh, come find us, who have decided to go with Legendary Team. That's pretty incredible. Over our three-year relationship, 844 FSU loan is the number to call. Tremendous customer service, great rates, knowledge of the industry, and they want to work with you to get your loan. So uh, speaking of explosive as well, Lawrence Tofilly is a dude who I think if now look, I'm not going to lie. I think fourth in the ACC as far as rushers here, especially if we're just talking about the backs, probably going to be hard to top. I don't know that there's that much upward mobility for this group in that regard. But if there is, it's because Lawrence Toafili, a very skinny, you know, slasher, a guy who was pretty highly rated coming out of high school, and somebody the staff was was high on. It's because he is able to hit more explosive plays for this team and translate that speed into some true, you know, home run shots. I think he could be like I think Corbin's a good screen guy, but obviously uh, Toa Philly has the ability to be a screen guy who can take it the distance. Um, and I think he has, I don't know, man, like I don't think of him just as one of these dudes who wants to bounce everything and like the guy who in, in Pop Warner ball turned everything to a sweep, turned the corner and, and hit the Jets. I mean, he may have, but at some point he learned how to show a little bit of vision uh, inside. And I don't think he's that unnatural of a runner there. And that was encouraging to see. It would be more encouraging to me if he actually put on some bulk and wasn't still as skinny uh, as he is. But ultimately, I, I think you have to feel pretty good about these like these two being decent backs in the conference. Yeah. Uh, a, a slasher is a good description. A guy that can make somebody miss, not necessarily um, – you know, somebody that's going to hit the corner and, and be the fastest guy on the field. Uh, so interesting skill set there. I'm trying to come up with a historical comparison. I mean, not, I'm hesitant to compare anybody to Amp Lee, but somewhat of a similar game there if you want to go, you know, 20, 22 years back. Um, but a guy that, you know, maybe you see that develop a little bit in the weight room. Uh, if you see, you know, leg development, you may see a little bit of an uptick and just straight line speed there. But a guy who's certainly uh, good at making people miss in the open field, you're right, has the ability to be a big play candidate in the screen game and, you know, decent patch uh, catching skills for a back and somebody that I think will be fairly well utilized in that regard, regardless of who the quarterback is. So next I want to talk about here is DJ Williams, a, a transfer from Auburn. Um, man, I have a hard time getting a feel for what DJ Williams actually is, because 
Like in the spring, he just looked thoroughly unimpressive. And if you didn't know anything about him, you would say, why is FSU using a scholarship on this kid as a transfer? Didn't look like he was, you know, very quick. Didn't necessarily run with a ton of power. I think he might have been a little banged up in the spring. As I pull up some of his numbers from Auburn, let, let me know where, where you are on DJ. You know, it's, a, it's an interesting take. Certainly has some great film. Has a game against LSU that's uh, really good. You know, but you can't constantly refer to that when you're talking about a kid. Uh, I did see DJ. I was down in Tallahassee last week. I saw DJ. Looks to me like he's lost a little bit of weight. Uh, looks like he's kind of reshaped his body as well. So we'll be interesting to see what that translates on the field. I mean, a guy who's kind of a, I don't want to say run towards content, but uh, contact, but not afraid of it. We'll probably hold that to an extent some, but maybe not the thumper uh, that, that it would have looked like he would have been never a, a real big physical guy, but just kind of a low center of gravity. Uh, some of the keywords that people use for, for running backs that aren't, you know, completely shredded. Uh, I don't know, man. I, I think he's a, a, I don't, I would not label him as a big back currently based off what I saw. Now, you know, I saw the kid for 10 seconds. I don't want to make too many extrapolations based off that, but um, it's an interesting take. It certainly has the ability uh, to pay dividends for you, but I am uh, very curious as to what his role is this year. Yeah, I'm, I'm also curious here. Like the, the, the reason he left Auburn, I have to assume, is because Tank Bigsby uh, is, is at Auburn. And he's not going to beat out Tank Bigsby. Tank Bigsby is probably a legitimate NFL back. But, you know, DJ out of high school was a pretty intriguing guy. There were a lot of very mixed opinions on him as a recruit. He did show some very high upside ability. And at times at Auburn, he kind of showed that. Like, he, he's had some real flashes there. Uh, but so far at FSU, I don't think he's had those same level of flashes and uh and we'll have to see if he can pan out for them. Like, what what is his role going to be? As you said, he's lost some weight. He's still got to be bigger than like Corbin and Toa Philly, though. So, like, can he provide you some of that power if if you need him to? Um, you know, is he in better shape now? I don't think he's somebody who is a terrible catcher of the football. So, I I just don't know how he fits in, and I'm. There's a lot of times where I feel like I, I know when I say it, but I, in this case, I really don't know how this is going to work. Yeah, yeah, I think we're we're somewhat in agreement there. Uh, I still think if it's a you know third down and you're at the one and the half, I think Corbin's probably getting the ball at this point. Now, coaching staff knows that better than I do as to how they project kids. Uh, it'll be interesting. I think DJ. I don't want to label him a bad take, but it's an interesting one. Certainly one that you could you know, theoretically recruit over pretty quickly and would want to see Florida State do that. Uh, but If he doesn't pan out. Yeah, yeah, if he doesn't turn into the, you know, the flashes that you saw at Auburn. Absolutely. So, uh, curious story there. Guy with a decent amount of upside. Uh, it will be interesting to see how much of that uh, and, and what we see from him this year. So, a little I mean, bit he of may turn it, He may turn into an all-star, right? In any, uh, everything is possible with DJ Williams. I mean, this this could go in all sorts of directions. You knew he turned into an all star. Did Matt Lewis turn into, or did Matt Lewis's son turn into an all star? He did. Yes, yes, he did. He did. Uh, Matt Lewis and his team at Congruity have been with us for a year now. Uh, just talking with him, uh, four different people have chosen to partner up with 
uh, the good people. It's really kind of, uh, you know, white glove service of what they give. And, and you get that small business attention to detail with, uh, with all the resources that are necessary to kind of compete in that field. Uh, congruityhr.com is the website. Matt Lewis can be reached via email, uh, Knowles, N-O-L-E-S, at congruityhr.com. And we want to thank Matt and his team for the support that they've given us. And certainly a wide variety of services. I, I was speaking with, with with one of the gentlemen who chose to partner with Matt. And, you know, he spoke about how he's actually in charge of uh, opening their uh, their stateside division of their business since they're European based. And, and Matt and his team were able to to accommodate them and, and work with them every step of the way. Uh, so if you have a complex complex business need or even a simple one or any kind of custom one, something in between, give them a shout. You see the email on the screen, Knowles at congruityhr.com. Last guy I want to talk about here for the main group would be Treshawn Ward. And Treshawn Ward is somebody who I think we should pat ourselves on the back for uh, because we talked about him on signing day, what, like two years ago, I think, when we said, look, they're going to get this kid as a walk-on, but he is you know, a power five quality back, and it's a very valuable play as a walk-on. You know, a guy with some decent speed, he does run hard, now, I think his value is probably as a walk-on. They went ahead and gave him a scholarship. So if you want to talk like you know value of the scholarship and whatnot and, and the allocation of, of scarce resources and goal economics, um, you know, maybe for the long term, that's not the best solution. I don't know that he ever is going to be a starter for the Knowles. Uh, but you know, ultimately, if he's your fourth back this year, I think that's mostly okay. Um, you could put him in, and I don't think he would absolutely kill you, which is good. Uh, but he's certainly not somebody you wanting you want to take, you know, hundred plus carries. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so those are the main four that we'll look at. Uh, again, I'll, I'll kind of be redundant here, but I, this is a position group that I struggle. I mean, I know the pieces fairly well, with the exception of Williams, is a little bit of a question mark. Um, but it's hard to project what this group will look like because. You have to take into account what the defense's changes will be when they don't have to key on the quarterback as a as a runner uh, and account for that kind of extra blocker that gets created by it. And then you have to try to figure out, well, if you are going to play McKenzie and you are going to make the assumption uh, that the passing game will be better, then how does that offset for the loss of Travis not being in there? It's It's a little bit of a challenge to try to figure out you know, what this will look like and how defenses will adjust accordingly. And, uh, you know, we'll talk about this more when we get to the quarterback position, but I, at the same time, expect those two guys to be on the same field, a decent amount in and of itself. So a little bit of a complicated position to try to project. I Yeah, man. So I, I agree with the general thought that if the, the run game shouldn't slip too much, uh, if the defense has to respect the pass, but man, Mackenzie Milton better be a whole hell of a lot better throwing the ball than Jordan Travis was if you want to get enough defensive respect for the pass game with this receiver group and this quarterback group uh, to where you know they're, they're able to run the ball as effectively with their backs. I, I want to share something here. So again, uh, non-garbage time against FBS teams, success rate. Jordan Travis, 64%. Jayshon Corbin, 39%. Webb, 33%. And again, this is scrambles removed. 
So these are only design runs, not, you know, drop back, scramble around. I, I've, I've stripped those out for this stat. Jordan Travis, 64%. Jason Corbin, 39%. That is an enormous drop-off. It cannot be overstated. I, I know I tweeted this from the Nolcast account on Monday night, but I am very interested to see what happens with the run game here. And yes, passing is more efficient if you can do it, uh, but you, you don't want to be sort of, you know, jack of all trades, master of none. Um, they clearly have to be able to pass if they want to beat like the five teams in the uh, the coaches poll that came out today that are ranked five ranked opponents, by the way, all in the top twenty. That's, mm-hmm. whew. Uh, but man, I think you could beat some of these other teams with just running more of the Jordan Travis offense if you get some defensive improvement. Uh, Jordan Wilson, as we spoke about in the pass catchers preview, also is going to have to play a major role in this as a blocker, uh, as will potential improvement from the offensive line. Uh, But this is like my number one question for the position. Are these guys going to be anywhere near as effective as they were if Travis isn't in there and uh, the defense having to account for him? Because I would much rather have Jordan Travis hand the ball off to these guys than keep it himself. He's a better athlete than all these guys. Yeah, I mean, it's just something that we're going to have to see. A lot of questions there in general. Like I said, the role of Travis, how he's used, um, and what it looks like. And and at the same time, like I said, I think you'll see both of those guys on the field at the same time, and that will be a little bit of an extra wrinkle and, uh, you know, perhaps more challenging to defend. But also, you know, you, you lose some numbers when you put two guys on the field uh, that are theoretically quarterbacks as well. So uh, with that, we'll kind of briefly turn our focus to beyond 2021 uh, Corey Wren is the you know the main name that we'll talk about here. Redshirt freshman uh, after a COVID year, really fast. Other than that, kind of a little bit of uh, of an unknown. I mean, you think some of the high school tape suggests an ability to uh, catch the ball out of the field. You think you'll be kind of creative with him. Obviously, uh, some of the mismatches you can get if, if, if you get a safety or linebacker on the back. Uh, you have to be uh, excited about what you can do with Ren, but uh, I think he'll certainly play a role, but I don't expect to see a ton of him in 2021. Yeah, I, I think with him, again, it's can can he do more than just run fast? We'll see. Like, that's the challenge. That that, that the, the reason the staff took him is because of that great speed, because that track speed. We see it all the time in football. Um, sometimes these guys don't work out, right? They are, they just they stay fast, but they don't do other things. But when it works, it's beautiful. When it works, it changes the numbers on the scoreboard. And you know there are a lot of times these guys just fall by the wayside. But then occasionally you have a Kermit Whitfield, who can be a gadget guy. And if the gadget pops, all of a sudden it's eighty yards. So I think they'll continue to invest in Corey Wren, see if he can start to catch the football better, and you know just kind of understand the intricacies of the game of football a little bit better. But uh, yeah, man, I'm 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 excited to see, you know, what they have coming for him. Also, really excited, by the way, to get back to Madison Social and Township. Notre Dame game coming up. Going to throw back a few there. Maybe chat with a couple of Nolcast listeners, bounce around a little bit, and uh, you know, talk about the upcoming season. I'm I'm pumped for it. Get up there. It's just it's an awesome place to go. They've supported us since day one. Great food drink specials all the time. You know, it's more a restaurant during the day, late night turns into more of a hop and bar scene. Nice little hybrid model. Like they, they can do everything and, yeah, and they, no, and they, they really do everything well. I mentioned I was in Tallahassee last week. I, I think I was like the 
first guy in the door at Matso at eleven fifteen or something like that, and sat at the bar, had uh, had some chicken fingers and or uh, oh, what did they call it on the the anyway, uh, chicken fingers with some fantastic uh, Peruvian uh, green sauce. There. Oh, the Peruvian sauce is legit. Yeah, it's fantastic and a great restaurant, like you said. And uh, Bud and I are, uh, I've been talking with Matt some. We're going to try to do something, maybe the Louisville game. We still have to kind of nail down a Nolcast listener event, but we will do something. We've talked about the challenges for the Notre Dame game. We'll do it that weekend. We will be there, but we won't have any kind of a event in an official capacity. But uh, to circle back to the running back, somewhat of a similar uh, take here that we talked about with the, the wide receivers that, you're not going to kill it in the 2022 class, just both that there's not a ton of uh, of prospects that you're kind of a natural fit for, uh, whether it be, you know, geographic location or otherwise. 2023, you're going to have to hit pretty hard in the uh, in the recruiting trail and, and do well at a position that Florida State hasn't done a fantastic job of recruiting. And you got a lot of names here on the sheet that still have two, three, and four years left to play. So I don't know that they would be involved in the transfer market, but maybe, or, or the transfer portal, but if maybe one of these guys washes out and you have a chance to, to grab a significant player, I wouldn't rule out them at least, uh, you know, keeping ha- one eye open uh, to add a legitimate running back via transfer portal. So I got to tell you, man, the, the transfer portal has really changed the, the way you recruit sometimes if you feel like you can't go get an elite player and they're just really not in on anybody elite this year and recruiting at the running back position. You have Rodney Hill, who shut down his position, kind of, or, you know, his recruitment, kind of a hybrid guy. Um, you know, Glover committed to Utah, which is very interesting, in my opinion. Um, I don't know, never really been all that high on him, and uh, it is weird. People were getting honest when we were not that high on him, right? And then when he decided to commit to Utah, it, yeah. Well, well, you you yeah. got to dunk on UF first for not getting him. Although this they, is correct, they, they may have passed on him, but still. Hilarious that a kid spent as much time there and then ultimately chose Utah. But as Newberg uh, pointed out, yeah, yeah. Um, so, so, but there are some guys in the 2023 class that they're in on. I know they're in on Richard Young out of Lehigh. We'll see how that goes. He's clearly the game changer if they can get him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they'll have playing time to sell. The real key in that one is going to be, uh, you know, taking step forwards on the field this year and um, you know taking steps forward with the offensive line play and, and really have it something that you want to run behind. And that's, that's going to be one of those big boy battles. You got to fight along with some other ones coming up. I'm sure where you're not beating out an NC state and a Louisville for a kid, you're having to go out and beat, uh, you know, beat a Bama and an Ohio state and a Georgia. And that'll predicate in many cases, how these guys look this year. This is one of those positions where like, I'm really not sure what the answers are going to be. But I am pretty sure of the questions, and that's the reason why we decided to make it one of our first in the Nolcast season preview series. I'm fascinated to see how this turns out, dude. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like we said, there's there's some pieces that you feel fairly confident about. Uh, Corbin will be maybe the story of the year. Corbin and, and Toll Philly ultimately as he emerges. Uh, some nice pieces at the same time. Like you said, still looking to add a game changing back to this roster and. You know, maybe these two guys are able to feature in a manner that you can have a little bit more of a dynamic sales pitch in the, you know, 2023 kids that you're chasing after. No doubt. All right, man. Uh, I'll see you next time.